What's going on? What's going on, Mr. Jess? This is Ann Capone. And that's one of my uh crosses to bear as well, forgiveness. You know what I'm saying? That's something that I do. I hold grudges, you know what I'm saying? I'm very spiteful, you know what I'm saying, at times. Um, so that's one of my things that I'm struggling with as well. So it's good to hear somebody else say that they're struggling with forgiveness because that's one of my things, man. You know what I'm saying? This ain't Capone, and I'm out. Good morning. Today is January 17th, 2018. Thanks for tuning in to Where the Anchor Holds, only on Anchor.fm. And as always, I'm your host, Michael Paul Jess. It's time for the verse of the day from YouVersion Bible app. Today we'll be reading from Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. I chose the Amplified Bible version today because it provides a little insight to help guide us this morning. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his beliefs, how blessed are his children after him. Okay, now let's read that again, but this time with the insight found in the brackets there, which is part of what the Amplified Version provides. The righteous man who walks in integrity and lives life in accord with his godly beliefs, how blessed, happy, and spiritually secure are his children after him who have his example to follow. Listen, folks. The children in our society are watching our every move and learning from us. Class is in session, and our young people are paying attention. They need good and godly examples to follow for their own lives. Reading this passage of scripture causes me to think of a current problem that so many of us have been talking about lately. That's the Tide Pod Challenge nonsense. Now this, among other acts, tells me that our young people are not getting the attention that they crave. It's like a dear childhood friend of mine, raised in a Christian family, dad was a police officer, mom homeschooled him and his sister, they were very strict about so many things, in fact, they were too strict. You see, my friend's parents focused on seemingly countless things, morals, values, in regards to their child's upbringing, but they neglected one major department, and might I suggest that many families across our nation are as well. They neglected to provide their son with attention. That's right, attention. So simple. When he was born, he had all kinds of attention until his sister was born after him. After that, he was like the red-headed stepchild at best. Anybody could see, just as plain as day, how bad it hurt him. And his parents' neglect had a significant imprint on his life. Fast forward about 20 years, he pops up as a friend suggestion on my Facebook, and what do you know, there he is with his entire face covered in ink. I was shocked and hurt when I saw this. I was full of sorrow at the sight of what my dear childhood friend had done to himself. Just to be clear, this wasn't good artistic work, okay? You know, I mean, some people may get some ink on their face, but the work is at least, like, tasteful. His looked terrible. See, folks, if we deprive our young people of attention, they will force society to acknowledge them. They are so hungry for attention 
that they'll demand it whether it's positive or negative. Okay? It's up to us to give them that positive attention so that they don't resort to inking their faces up with crappy ink, terrible artwork, or even ingesting poisonous chemicals on camera or otherwise for that matter. <sighs> Rant over. I apologize that uh, the verse of the day did turn into a rant, but, uh, you know, it's good to uh, apply scripture to our daily lives, and that's just what's going on. That's what came to my mind. That's what's on my heart today. This has been the verse of the day with your host, Michael Paul Jess, on Where the Anchor Holds. Feel free to call in with your thoughts, opinions, and ideas. And as always, thank you for listening, and God bless you. just want to take this opportunity to introduce you to Jeremiah Craig. If you haven't heard of Jeremiah Craig, uh, now you have. He is a tremendously gifted singer-songwriter, plays guitar amazing, sings amazing, got some real, some real soul to his voice. Just sounds awesome. I've been enjoying listening to his, uh, to his segments here uh, for, I don't know, couple of weeks I think uh, so anyhow stop on by and check out Jeremiah Craig hit him up with a star everybody uh, he's also I mean he doesn't just do music he talks about things as well but uh, tell you what he's one of them stations where it's a must follow so you heard it here ladies and gentlemen Ryan Torregano from Motivation podcast is speaking to me today talking about the two monks and a maiden you got to hear this story if you're holding on to burdens if you're holding on to something that's that's uh, holding you down uh, somebody wronged you somebody did something that just that just messed you up man and you're you're carrying around that burden and it's killing you and you're getting exhausted man stop by motivation podcast listen to ryan torgano he's got an awesome story and the two monks and a maiden
guess you could say I want to make you feel some kind of way And for that I'll use my song Jess here from where the anchor holds. Listen, I just want to say thank you for your call in regarding uh, the difficulty that we both have of holding a grudge when someone's done us wrong. I want to encourage you in the Lord. Uh, I'm going to be praying for both of us that God works on our hearts and uh, 
He forgives us so that we can forgive others. And uh, man, I just want to let you know I appreciate your station. Props to you on all the success. Everybody out there loves you, man. Just keep doing what you're doing. God bless you and keep you. of the story. Among the makers of majestic pipe organs for churches and universities, Charles Fisk is a legend. He grew up in Cambridge, Massachusetts. As a teenager, he was somewhat of an electronics wizard. He was building tube amplifiers before there was such a term as high fidelity. Later, he went to Harvard, then to Stanford. Then he abandoned his burgeoning scientific career for the beautiful world of music. 1954, he became the apprentice of renowned organ maker Walter Holtkamp. Within 18 months, Charles had earned a partnership in the Andover Organ Company. And by 1959, he owned that company. And by 1962, he had moved to Gloucester, Massachusetts as C.B. Fisk Incorporated. Charles never did resume the interest in electronics that had made him the teen talk of the town. In fact, there was something decidedly anti-technological in the Charles Fisk approach to organ making. First, all Fisk organs are tracker organs, no electronics, simply woods and rods and wires as one might find in a pipe organ centuries old. Charles even quarreled with that one lonesome 20th century touch found in all modern trackers, the electric blower motor. He understood that nobody wanted to stand around in the church basement hand-pumping organ bellows not nowadays, but he also understood that the organs of old rendered a slightly irregular warbling sound. So in 1968, Yenavity proposed that the barely perceptible warble be restored to the tracker organ, that the modern super-consistent electronic blowers and the wind supply regulators not be allowed to smudge the beauty, what he called the natural grace of the past, now, that proposal was vigorously denounced by his colleagues at the time. It would take them a decade or so to see it his way. But the point is, Charles Fisk was a proud reactionary. With loving hands, he fashioned the charm of a thousand yesterdays from the same materials our ancestors used, almost as though he were intentionally turning away from some terrible vision or as though attempting to atone for some past unpardonable sin. And in fact, there was a private nightmare that cast its shadow on his dreams. It began before Stanford, before Harvard, when the slender brown-haired boy genius in electronics was sent to Chicago to work on the top-secret Manhattan Project. That's right. At 20, he was assigned to the now infamous laboratories at Los Alamos, where he spent the remainder of World War II, and where those same hands, which would eventually lovingly, repentantly fashion instruments of beauty, once created instruments of terror and destruction. The great Charles Fisk died December 16, 1983, but his masterworks of musical glory and spiritual peace live on, 
Often the admirers of those magnificent tracker organs will gaze at them in wonder to envision that their creator, before turning from a brilliant career in electronics and in nuclear physics, helped to devise the detonators for the world's first atomic bombs. Only now you know the rest of the story.